treasure waiting for you. 10,000 pounds. It's yours. You get it when I die. Only when you die? Aye, aye. Well, they are ten. This is the Charlie who's going to drink Loch Lomond for us. Who are you? I'm Mac Blaine Buttles, cock of North Finchley. I go through life with a smile and a sun. With a smile and a sun. Life is life. I go on. Hold my saxophone a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Just roll up my kill. Not too high, Henry. Oh. <laughs> you've been good to me, laddie. For the last 18 years, you've been salvaging the treasures of the sunken galleon. Yeah, for the last 18 years. Yeah. Aye. <laughs> and now we've got the lot. 20,000 pounds. 20,000 pounds? That money must be worth a fortune. <laughs> Do you know what it means to us both? Nope. It means that I'm a rich man and you're a far better swimmer. <laughs> of housewives say they prefer Goonpod over other Goon-related podcasts, by the way. Uh, This week, I had a lovely conversation with Chris Shaw, who is the uh, presenter, host, and advisor of the wonderful I Am The Egg Pod podcast. Uh, Chris came along to talk about um, his love of the goons and a particular goon show, so here it is. So uh, thank you for, for agreeing to come on and talk about some old radio show from the 50s. So yeah, there is life. There is life pre sixties. I've discovered there is, and it's and it is Technicolor as well. It's not. It's not it all is. grim and monochrome. And and Chris, obviously, people will know you as the the host of uh, I am the Egg Pod, which mm. which which you describe as a jaunty stroll through Pepperland, discussing the Beatles and the solo Beatles albums. Um, which is kind of. Uh, I've, I've kind of followed your line with this podcast in, in as much as, you know, it's about the goons and about the goon show itself, but also the solo goons projects. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can apply that to anything really. Can you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There must be a whole load of pods out there that could uh, use that format. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause it's definitely a format. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it, it, it's, but, uh, it's less restricting than having just to stick to doing, talking about goon shows all day. Yeah. But you've been, I mean, I, I was at an early, listener i i picked up uh or discovered i'm the egg pod pretty pretty early on i think it was possibly your second or third show what's the show wow. with john rain was that your um sergeant pepper oh, one i think that was the first one was it? Well, it could have been uh, no rob manuel was the first uh, yeah that was the second i think and ben wheatley yeah right yeah okay so that was great yeah we headed off down to brighton around ben's house because I, I i didn't know what i was doing at all i just really liked smirch pod which uh, john rain does the mm. james bond one mm. so and i he was so funny i just wanted him on so i contacted him and he was a bit like initially because he he didn't know me from adam and i was saying yeah it's gonna be about the beatles pick an album he's like yeah okay well yeah maybe well but he didn't seem that interested and then 
because Ben Wheatley's a friend, and I sort oh, of threw that in, right? And he was like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'll come along." <laughs> so uh, I, I hoodwinked him. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was ages ago now. Wow. Well, uh, I know you've had you've. Well, sorry, I should say I've had guests that you've had, like um, like like John. John's been on this. Um, yes, Margaret Cabon Smith, David Quantic, a- Adam and Heather from Retrotube, of course. Um, Brilliant. Bob Fisher, Tim Worthington, Laura Grimshaw. So yeah, so it's it, it's. I mean, every episode of of what do you call it? Just you just refer to it as Eggpod. Is that the shorthand for? The, the podcast. I don't know. I've got a, a, a private message from Rob Manuel from years ago when I was sort of thinking I wanted to do this. Mm. And we were throwing names around what to call it. And I didn't want to just call it a Beatles pod, you know, or something like that. I just wanted a word like submarine or strawberries or something like that that was synonymous with the Beatles. Yeah. And I think he mentioned we are the walruses or something. And then I just sort of, oh, I am the egg man. I, the egg pot. <laughs> that'll do. So, and I think he said, yeah, people eventually just call it egg pot. But yeah, yeah, technically is I am the egg pot. Because that kind of has some Beatles reference. Was just the word egg pot doesn't really mean anything other than cooking eggs. Yes. But yeah. But yeah, it's interesting that you've had so many people that have been on here because it just shows you the crossover between the Beatles and the goons. It's not just a coincidence no absolutely right um when i first started listening your first i don't know dozen shows used to include what i want to call (laughs) the kids probably don't call anymore mashups of beatles clips used to they they weren't straightforward clips were they and you then i think you abandoned that did you eventually yeah it was uh i got a few comments from people who didn't like them and it was good because, again, Rob Manuel, I keep mentioning him, but he was so helpful mm. in that he was saying, and he'd point out, yeah, the intro's a bit long, cut it down. People, if they're going to binge listen, they don't want to hear a long intro. Mm. So I cut that down. And then it just, it was time really, because it took, I used to do mashups back in the noughties. Yeah. CCC, if you Google that, there's loads of mashups. And I mash up the whole of Revolver. Mm. And Sergeant Pepper with a guy called Ill Chemist. He's he's a brilliant guy in the States. We were doing that via email, which was very progressive mm, in the day. Yeah. You know, he'd, he'd mash a bit and I'd mash a bit. So, yeah, I've, I used to love doing those. So I had a few lying around and it was basically just showing off, really. I was just sort of, oh, look what I've done. You know, I've done these amazing <laughs> mashups. And then I just thought, no, I just want to hear the tracks. And one of the guests, I won't say who, was really annoyed when they heard it back. So what's that bloody rubbish mashup plot stuff you're playing? So, Charming. Yeah. No, no, no. They were lovely. They were kind of joking, but yeah, it's yeah. You just want to hear the real thing, don't you? Yeah, yeah. No, but it was it was different. It was interesting as well, though. To be to be fair, and and I was really impressed by earlier this year. In fact, what was it? January. You did that that kind of mini season on Get Back Day by Day. Oh yeah. That must have <laughs> that was... been enormously tiring. <laughs> It was, yeah. I think I got a call from Joel Morris back in November, or I think it was December. Hmm. And he was saying, how's this for an idea? Because I was originally thinking I'd do three episodes, one on each uh, episode. And so I had kind of a couple of guests in line. And I contacted them and they said, oh, I've already been agreed to do another Beatles podcast because there's quite a few of them out there now. And it's difficult to get hold of guests, really. But so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll or I'll think of something eventually. Mm. And then John Morris phoned up and he said, do one a day, get a different guest, you can do it. So I thought, oh. and he said, if you don't do it, I'll do it. 
and apparently he didn't mean that at all. He just wanted me to do it because <laughs> he couldn't be bothered. So I did. I just sent a load of emails around to people who'd been on before and people who hadn't been on before. I deliberately wanted that I really liked and hopefully would have heard of it. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, pretty well everyone. I think everyone said yes. The only one who couldn't do it got COVID. And that was um, Arslan Mohammed, who does the Bowie podcast, which is superb. Oh, right. Okay. I don't know if you're not aware of that. that. Oh, have a listen. You'll love it. Okay. Yeah, he got COVID the day before uh, we were due to record. Because I started recording them in December and over Christmas. Yeah. Which was a complete nightmare because you couldn't get hold of anybody. It was Christmas. Mm. Mm. And I didn't record them sequentially. So I, I, I had to transcribe each day before I spoke to these people, send that over to them just to remind them. Because people are busy, you know, they probably wouldn't have time to oh, God. Uh, watch it. Yeah. And, and didn't record them sequentially. So people were sort of saying, oh, yeah, didn't that happen yesterday? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've recorded that one yet. But the plan was, I, if I recorded the first, say, 12 prior to January... I could then carry on doing the last ones throughout January. Yeah. So I think Mitch Benz was recorded literally the day before it went out, or a couple of days, I can't remember now. Yeah. But yeah, it was a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> but it was worth it. I knew if it came off, it'd hopefully work. Oh, it went... Yeah, I'm really, really pleased with it. It went yeah. down a storm, didn't it? I think it was just everybody wanted to, everybody had seen it and wanted to talk about it. And that that's another thing I quite liked, because if it had just been two or three people, it would have been... You'd only got a certain viewpoint, but there were so many different viewpoints, and mm. yeah, I, I can't, I can't believe it, it got done, but I'm glad it did. Absolutely, prayed a lot. So, and and John is still in his. I mean, possibly that's what it is. Is that John is still slightly high? He's just, I'm, mm. or or that's how his mood was on the day. But he feels it, where he's just sort of going, talking slightly in code. But Paul, who you'd figure would do his best to help sellers out of an awkward patch doesn't do anything to help he just kind of adds to it in a way it does um which is a bit so they keep calling him pete right pete yeah well funny enough because because i recorded an episode for this um in god when was it early november late october about um the film the magic christian oh yes and it was and it was and it was scheduled it was always scheduled to go out beginning of january and it wasn't there wasn't any reason for that it was just because you know just I, i got my list of shows and I you know I wasn't gonna yeah. I was not gonna waver from that list from that schedule and it coincided quite nicely with obviously get back coming out and the magic Christian suddenly people were aware of it again weren't they oh yeah big time I think I, I, I tweeted that out in the middle of the daily runs because I think it was a weekend where the Beatles weren't working so I sort of yeah did you a one because it's fitted in perfectly I thought yeah really good yeah, yeah. really enjoyed that one yeah and um I can remember when you've, you've kind of you mentioned it before. Okay, when did you first? Can you when did you start listening to podcasts? Can you remember when you started listening to podcasts? Well, I sort of always used to listen to Adam Joe. Oh yeah, Adam and Joe on YouTube. Yeah, and I think there was some MP3s floating around years ago. I can't remember when it was. I don't know. I, I um, the, the only reason I'm saying because I started listening relatively early i guess i'm talking 2006 7 maybe um mm. when they were fairly you know podcasts were not all concrete like they are now um so i was listening to things like i don't know, answer me this and collings and herring and things oh, like yeah. that you know but i i can remember because i was i've always been a big beatles fan and and you know sort of searching around around that time and there were the, there was only you know maybe 
three or four Beatles podcasts in the world back then. <laughs> mm. um, that's changed. That has definitely changed. And um, but yeah, but I would say you are, and this is not just because I'm talking to you, but I'd, I'd say that you are you are definitely sitting at the top table in terms of you know Beatles podcasts, and and most of the others are. <laughs> scrabbling around for the crumbs and the scraps while you're <laughs> i'm glad you didn't say shit that would have been just oh god no 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 <laughs> no! you're there at the top table they're not they're great you're there with nothing is real and um beatles books and um uh, big beatles sort out and podcasts like that that i absolutely love that you know that are very very popular and, and you're there you're sitting at the table you're tossing large hams over your shoulder while the rest of them are <laughs> i just Blimey. are just there sort of you know quivering in your wake shall we say see this is where i do my um suits selling analogy blimey we're going off topic here i'm sorry if it's boring people but i think it reminds me very much when i got married me and my best man were looking to hire a suit yeah and we went to this very posh place in royal tunbridge worlds to get to hire some suits mm -hmm. and we were scruffy little oinks basically and the staff there just refused to serve us they just sort of walked past us tutting and who are the you know so we're going to steal something and um eventually it took because my wife was out shopping with her dad at the time and they came in and they're going well you've been here like half an hour because <laughs> i didn't know what to do i'd never hired a wedding suit so um eventually we got served because my father-in-law to be sort of to get your arse in order yeah and they came over and they were reasonably polite but i was thinking and it's the same with podcasts but basically people go there for the suit you know in our case the beatles so don't be a dick mm, mm. about it you know don't think you're bigger than the the subject that you're talking about which is because i'm so boring anyway i don't think it's a problem for me so oh, hush, hush your mouth about the beatles as well <laughs> but um yeah that's kind of the i think all podcasts are like that aren't they with the exception i guess of celebrity ones i guess uh, i have heard some about what they want yeah i have heard, i have heard some beatles podcasts where the the hosts are positively obnoxious american oh, really? ones american ones mainly yeah um and factually oh, incorrect so they just don't do any research some of them you know and it's like geez you're supposed to mm -hmm. you know call yourselves beatles fans well we're all in it for the same reason aren't we? we're all here to share the the magic yeah so 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 chris so yeah today you have joined me to talk about the goons or a goon, a goon show but mm. let's start off by asking you what's your history how did you discover the goon show then i was thinking about that the other day actually because get the violins it's a very poor upbringing we had we were like poor that's all you can say basically uh had no money so my childhood consisted of hand-me-downs yeah so yeah I, I sort of inherited uh my mum had a copy of the ying tong song and my brother used to have loads of cassettes mm. uh, of monty python albums mm. i remember he had a uh, matching time handkerchief yeah i mean i'm talking i don't think I, uh, I don't remember being at school but i used to play them and um yeah i I would start saying home on leave in two days, eh, such and yes. quoting this stuff yes. at a very early age. And also it had that all those brilliant Neil Innes songs. Mm. Um mm -hmm. starting there's evidence, evidence, evidence. <laughs> By the time of the Norman Conquest and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Was going around my head at like preschool or when I was just starting school. Wow, so was, that's a, that's a great education. Pre education. <laughs> but I think that sort of fed my love for audio comedy. 
because that later went in a different direction when I was in my teens with Derek and Clive. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Which was a perfect age. I mean, that was around the time of the young ones as well. So it was, uh, yeah. gosh, my language was insane when I was that age. I, I, yeah, I, worked so, at a, I worked at a record shop in the mid-90s, by the way. And oh, yeah. um, it shames me to admit this, but I was complicit in the playing of Derek and Clive albums over the over the <laughs> sound system in the shop. Could you believe Brilliant. that? Well done. Which which would be sackable. Yeah. <laughs> but we did it. Blimey. That is brilliant. <laughs> I did a similar thing. I used to have um, an iPod, which I dug out quite recently and recharged it. Mm. And it had um, like loads of 1960s bubblegum music and loads of Trojan stuff, I think, was on there. And also loads of Derek and Clive stuff. So if you press shuffle, it's like this, this obscene <laughs> radio show. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I was into that big time. Yeah, yeah, it was quite like. But I mean, like like I say, they were around at the time. So Spike again, when I was terribly young age, I remember watching the Q series with my mum. Mm. Let me watch it. Mm -hmm. And obviously the Pink Panther movies I knew from around that time. And obviously Highway for Harry Seacombe, because in those days there was literally nothing on telly on Sundays. So you'd sort of endure that until it was bedtime. Yeah. And I won a copy of Adolf Hitler, My Partner's Downfall in our Christmas school writing competition. Okay. Yeah, so they were always kind of there. But in terms of the goons, you know, you'd hear bits on the radio. I remember um, Adrian Just oh, used yeah. to do a show mm. and he'd play clips. And it's weird, then you hear the actual goons and things like, you raving idiot, you, and you, oh, that's from the Adrian Just show. Mm -hmm. But um, mm. And I think also the Beatles had a big, because you just get these books and you keep reading about the goons and, you know, George Martin's involvement. Yep. There's so many links there. In fact, my favourite George Martin, one of them, production is uh, Dance With Me Henry mm. which I think is one of the best songs ever made <laughs> which was which was never released until the 90s was it not no it was um it was obviously recorded in the 50s but it was the b-side of Unchained, Mel oh. Unchained Melody which um for rights reasons yeah. they weren't allowed to release oh really and then and then <laughs> and then but but come come the 90s who owns the rights Mr Paul McCartney and he says okay lads we can release it brilliant Oh, that's superb. <laughs> My our cats are called Henry and Minnie, just so you know. Oh well. Fantastic. Yeah. Had to be done. But I do remember um yeah, it was in the nineties when I really got into them. I bought all the cassettes. Yeah. You get a couple of episodes in them just to remember lying on the bed, laughing my head off at those. Occasionally leaning forward to fast forward Max Geltray and the Ray Ellington quartet, and then uh, right. I'm afraid I'm a I'll take that one off the list, that question. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's quite. If you don't mind me saying Sorry. it, it's relatively late. Uh, late in the sense of, because, um, because as you'll have, as you probably have heard on this show, most people of our generation they get into it through the dad or the mum, often the dad. Mm. You know, when they're when they're, and I, I appreciate you know you were listening to this I guess as well when you were young, but you say you really got into it in the nineties, so. When, when there was yeah. things like Vic and Bob and... Yeah, and I don't know what it was. I think it was more a case of... <clears throat> I was always aware of them and always... You know, if it was ever on the radio, I'd sort of turn it on, but I never really got into it. Mm. And it was just when I bought... Once you've invested, well, I think it was like £2 for these cassettes, so they're incredibly cheap. Yeah. And you actually sit down and properly listen to it. Oh, it just blew my head off. It, it, it was so good. And obviously... Hearing Blue Bottle, I never forget because obviously you know my name, look up the number. Yes. And I'd heard it had been a goon's reference. 
but it is Blue Bottle. Yes. It is Blue Bottle. He's actually on a Beatles record. You know my name. You know my name. I've got a number. You know my name. Thinking in the 90s, I was just spending all my money on the um, Beatles bootlegs that were coming out. Right. So yeah, probably didn't have any left for all the goons, but yeah, love them. Okay. And and so you wanted to talk about specifically, um, we could talk around it, the, the, the Goon Show episode, The Treasure in the Lake, or The Treasure of Loch Lomond, as it's sometimes known. I was going to say, why has it got two titles? I think the... Uh, the commercial release, so it was released as an LP and a cassette in 1978 as, as part of Goon Show Classics Volume 5. So it was the A-side and the B-side was the Greenslade story. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. But it was um, it was titled on that. It was a title, Treasure of Loch Lomond, for some reason. I'm not quite sure why, to be, to be fair. Mike Harding wrote the sleeve notes for the LP. Oh. And, um, and he said that, um, he said, he said, this year I had the kindly assistance of Spike Milligan, who, who chose The Treasure of Loch Lomond, which I think is a worthy A-side to my choice of the Greenslade story, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Spike actually personally chose this episode to be included on the LP. Superb. Um, well, he's told, he, this was one that was solely written by him. It was, yeah. So so this is from, this is towards the end of Series 6. This is Series 6, Episode 24, and it was broadcast 28th of February 1956 and Spike had been writing a lot with Eric Sykes throughout series five and I guess a lot of the first half of series six and on and off with Larry Stevens as well but yeah this one's a a solo Spike script and it and it is again it's for for a solo Spike script it's there isn't a lot of plot there isn't a lot of structure but there's enough (laughs) if you know what I mean you know because I, th- I think I've heard you talk before with guests on this about the later ones, you know, when he was on his own, it was a real struggle for him and you, you can kind of pick that up. You can definitely pick it up on the end of this because he's it literally just, anyway, they all went to bed. Nothing was a dream. It just gives up. <laughs> well, the, the, the end of this, I mean, I, I don't want to go to the end at the beginning, but the end of this is the, the show literally ends, what well, pre-credits, I should say, with um, Spike singing and Peter on the piano. Spike singing I'm Walking Backwards for, for Christmas yeah, as Adolphus Spriggs. And, yes. and, and I've looked at, and so I've got access to um, the original script that Peter Sellers used when recording this. Oh, wow. And it's quite interesting, actually, because the script is fairly, the, the script in terms of what was actually recorded was fairly faithful, if you know what I mean. There's a few little yeah. um, Biro sort of crossings out and words added and things like that. But if you look at the actual script, originally, and I guess on the day that they recorded it, you know, they, they were planning just for it to end with Wallace Greenslade saying, don't people get discouraged easily? Good night. And then, you know, end credits. Yeah. But then Peter's written in on the script, piano. So they obviously decided, let's just add this little oh. bit. And that would have been off the back of the fact that the week before this show, 
was the episode the Tuscan salami scandal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is famously the Goon Show episode with no no musicians because there was a musician strike that week. Oh, okay. And so there was no Molly Stott Orchestra. There was no Max. There was no Ray. And as part of that, hey. sh- yeah. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> uh, but but it, it, my, as one of the, you know, obviously Spike had to write more to fill in for the non-existent musical breaks. So oh. one of the things that he performed was "I'm Walking Backwards for Christmas" on that show the week before, and it obviously went down a storm. So he resurrected it for the following show and um and then it was and then it was put out as a single in the summer yeah right am i being naive here you can tell me Mm. the line i've tried walking sideways and walking to the front but people just look at me Mm. yeah is he is he going for yeah i i've always thought that i've always (laughs) thought that that is that's where your mind is supposed to wander if you're a certain type of person you know? I mean, I do prefer, and so it's a publicity stunt. But <laughs> is he? I think again, it's a Derek and Clive influence. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm just wondering: would people at the time? Oh, I'm sure that expecting that. I'm sure that their friends like Dave Lodge and whatnot would have probably. In fact, they probably drunkenly would sing that at parties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do hope. So. Yeah. Um. So. Actually, I mean, they were very, very busy in 56, the goons. I mean, Sellers and, and um, Seekham were touring all over the all over the country. And the week before, in fact, what, four days before this, this episode was broadcast, the first episode of the Idiot Weekly Price Tuppence began on um, oh, wow. uh, Associated Rediffusion, which was the, the first proper kind of attempt to translate the goon humor to television uh, or the, yeah. the, the first proper that's you know that there were sort of a few aborted attempts previously but this was and, and the idiot weekly at first was well it, it, it was it was sellers with friends and milligan doing sort of script writing duties and then it kind of morphed into it, it, it then would go on to become a show called fred and then son of fred later in the year and obviously uh produced and directed by richard lester him again mm. another Beatles collection yes 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 uh and yeah so it um it it's a it's a very strong show it's the one if it was a friends episode it would be called the one where Seagun attempts to drink a lake I suppose <laughs> um <laughs> it's just I love the whole concept of it I think it's every line I mean every line or every other line there's a joke I mean it starts you got Wallace, this is the BBC Home Service. And immediately, let that be a lesson to you. Every line mm, is mm. a joke. And it starts off with Harry Seekham killing the conductor, which is just... <laughs> <laughs> but I did, I did have a look at the um, transcripts, I think, on that Goon's website, whatever it is, with all the transcripts. And there was a line that Harry Seekham says at the end, uh, at the beginning, where he says, don't you dare raise your radio times to me. Mm-hmm. Which is cut out from the version I've got. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh yeah, that's what a, the reason for that. That's was. something else to mention. Oh, and by the way, the conductor. Ron, you mentioned the conductor, who gets mm. who gets um, shot. It wasn't Wally Stop for this episode. Oh. Wally was away for off for a few weeks, so it was a, a, a gentleman called Bruce Campbell. Um, oh. Just mentioning that for you know the diehards out there. <laughs> no, but this the, right. So 
the do you know about the transcription services versions of the goon show yeah i've heard you talk about this before i think yeah, yeah so i won't bore people so again but, but essentially they would um there, there were the, the goon shows that went out when that were broadcast which were full length and then a lot of them were then subsequently edited and um sent out and sold to radio stations abroad and they were edited mm. to remove edited to make room for commercials if they were going to be on commercial radio stations and but but also to get rid of topical references and um bit off color references and in some cases racial references you know yeah there's definitely one in here yeah oh yeah yeah um and that's the but the thing is though so so the the episode sorry the version you've been listening to is the one that's been on the cassettes that you've grown up with is that right mm. yeah but for this, I've listened to the one that's on YouTube, so I don't know if that's. I'm oh, sure okay. I remember it. I'm uh, sure I remember it being on the cassette. Okay, well, read the transcript. Yeah, well, the cassette version was the edited transcri- transcription services oh, version, oh. which is about 27 minutes long, as opposed to the full 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and they took out things like yeah, that that reference to the Radio Times was taken out. I don't know why, because they. They, they use they talk about the radio times and other transcription services shows so i don't quite know why that is but anyway um mm. there's a re- there's a reference that they take out the scene where ned seagoon is first drinking and then sucking water from, from the lake <laughs> from the loch yeah. um there's a there's a line that's cut out i think moriarty says why have you stopped and seagoon says can't you guess oh yeah um yeah. And that that wasn't on the LP version. That was cut off. I mean, it's not that. Really? It's not because that's a bit rude. Yeah, wow. but it's it's so it's oh, you know it's so yeah. weak, really, isn't it? Um, but they're so sensitive. I'll just quickly give a quick synopsis of the show, just so that yes, in case people do. haven't. Uh, I just want to hear it in a proceed form. Well, I love this plot. Here's the thing, right? <laughs> normally, normally, I I am normally I don't have to bother writing one because often for the earlier or season five series five and some of the series six shows spike would have already written a synopsis for the radio times so i could just use that mm. and also um very often transcription services would have their own synopsis which i've got access to and i could use those but for some reason i couldn't get a proper synopsis for this show so i just wrote a sort of a summary uh, down at heel and down on his luck ned seagoon is busking in leicester square when he's approached by norris tooth who tells him that upon the death of his Scottish uncle, the Laird Magool, he stands to inherit £10,000. Ned hotfoots it to Castle Magool and meets the Laird, but the nephew's rather cavalier attitude towards his uncle's well-being results in Eccles, disguised as a dog, driving him from the castle. Ned is then duped into a dastardly scheme to drain Loch Lomond by drinking it, a plan devised by Gritpipe Thin and Moriarty in order to gain access to the sunken Spanish treasure galleon San Ateri. But has someone else got there before them? Dot, dot, dot. So I probably put the Dick yeah. Barton music behind that to make it sound dr- yes. like dramatic. <laughs> yes, it certainly is. I love I love everything about it. I love this so much. I think, again, it's what they were so good at. It's those visuals that you get in your head that can't happen in real life. They defy physics. Yes. So when Neddie and William Cobblers is it, mate, oh yep. mate, yep. they're hiding from the Rosers who are coming. Up. So they, the plan is to hide the house and slide the window under your wig, <laughs> help me fold up the walls. It's just genius how they do that. It's and it's beyond cartoon. 
because it just they defy time, they defy physics. I, it's, it's pure joy to listen to these things. And it's it's another instance of Seagoon, who is supposed to be the stout-hearted Britisher, the sort of boys' own adventure hero. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, being on his uppers, busking and begging, and obviously then a prime target for the duplicitous uh, grip pipe and Moriarty. Um, one of the things about Ned is that, you know, he, he, he often tries or pretends that he is heroic and that he is um, yeah. honorable and that he is respectable and that he is beyond reproach. But in this instance, he's not afraid to uh, do what it takes to knock his uncle off and inherit the 10,000 oh, yeah. pounds. <laughs> Well, it's immediate, isn't it? How's your health? Once he knows that he's in line for these uh, 10,000 pounds of treasure. I think Harry's brilliant in this episode because he's, as you say, he's got that yeah boy's own adventure hero who's just hapless. But I do love his um, squeaky giggle because I think Peter messes up a line yeah. around this point. And yeah, it's just, there's nothing that sounds like Harry Seacombe's squeaky giggle. I think you should uh, sell toys that do that noise. <laughs> I think... I think that on some shows, Harry is the best performer on certain mm. certain shows, just in terms of the sheer exuberance and, he, and him throwing himself into the part. And there's a line in this when um, Grip Pipe and Moriarty are trying to um, convince him that they've been there holidaying for 300 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and, and, and it, 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 the implication being that the waters of the lock have... What, life-extending properties, I suppose? Oh, dear friend, what a lucky break. If I drink this lake water, I'm sure to live longer than my Uncle Laird Magool and thereby inherit his treasures. <laughs> Is that so? Well, we'll help you, won't we, Moriarty? Uh, give Neddy a glass of the lock water. Here, one shilling. Thank you. Fiendish friend, Moriarty. <laughs> give the gentleman back that halfpenny and the silver paper. You know, chef's kiss. That delivery. Um, yeah. And I love the fact that you know the characters. You know Grip Pipe and Moriarty, or Grip Pipe especially. He's just always out to con people. Yes. And I love it when he's... I mean, basically the idea, isn't it, that Neddy's going to drink the lock, all of it, so they can get the treasure un underneath. But they start giving him cup after cup after cup. And my favourite line in the whole thing is, Moriarty, this is the Charlie who's going to drink Loch Lomond for us. <laughs> and it's just perfect. He delivers it so well. And it's, it's the way they, once they get, I mean, the idea, right? So they're getting someone to drink a lock glass by glass. And it's taking too long. So then they put one end of a hose pipe in the lock. <laughs> one in Eddie's mouth. Now suck away, Eddie. And it's the fact that it immediately murdered. It's going down slowly, and you're kind of you're kind of there. You're believing. Yeah, it. it's, it's like a cartoon in the mind, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, and then it starts raining. Drink faster, Neddy. <laughs> it's <laughs> and you accept it once you've accepted the insanity of the first thing. It, it, you've got to go with it. And Ned's gullibility is yeah. a thing of joy. Also, the fact that Seekim, who of course you know, by this time is an accomplished singer, who's got proper LPs out and everything. Yeah. He's quite happy to to send himself up or to sing terribly. That that song he sings about, I've got a great big rock for my pillow, oh, <laughs> a tuft yeah. of grass for my bed. And he sings and it's so off key. <laughs> it's, I know. 
Yeah. Well, he does. He, I mean, he, he gets a bit of a dig from Spike because he, he was basically always on Housewives Choice, wasn't he? Which was a yes, old BBC radio show request program. Yeah. But it's, it's just the way they threw it in because Seagoon's going, I'm going, but you haven't heard the last of me. I'm on Housewives Choice tomorrow. But it's they're so angry. McGool is, you're always on Housewives Choice. <laughs> and obviously McGool, the, the favourite thing of the, the bagpipe sound effects on this always make me laugh. Yes. Especially when he's he just says one word. Yep. And you just get a little pop from the uh, bagpipe. The audience suddenly real. It's like the audience suddenly twigs. They realise, oh, yeah. right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for people who haven't heard this, this is where um, I think I think this tradition began. This sh- In fact, I want to say it's the show before this, the Tuscan Salami Scandal. Um, I should have checked. I might be wrong. People shouting at me now um, and tweeting me. But um, I think it was the show before this where Sellers plays a Scotsman who is a, I think he's, is he a, he's either a policeman or he's um, working for MI5 or MI6. And in that, whenever he speaks, there's a bagpipe playing to accompany his oh, voice. Right. And, and then it, they do that again here for the lad. And it would, it would uh, turn up quite a few times, actually. And it's, it's, it's such a simple idea, but it's hilarious. Yeah. There's a, there's a line that's cut from the LP when Sigun first arrives at the Castle Magool. And he meets Allington. <laughs> no, I'll have you know, I am of princely blood. I come to claim my treasures and heritage. I bring with me all the wealth of my London domain. Or let me take the Honorable Prince's brown paper parcel. <laughs> I, uh, I admit I have been traveling light. Too light. You forgot your trousers. <laughs> I didn't forget them. I just came prepared for the kilting season. And... <laughs> And there's then another joke later on in the show where between Minnie and Henry, when um, oh. when when Henry says um, they're trying to turn off the water, and Henry says, "I can't turn it off. Now hold my saxophone a minute. Just roll up my kilt." <laughs> and Minnie says, "Not too high, Henry. <laughs> <coughs> Not too high, Henry." Minnie and Henry, obviously, because our cats, but um, they're my favourites by a mile. The beginning of this scene is about a couple of minutes of just hammering because uh was it yeah grip pipe and moriarty have basically turned off all the taps and can't turn them off so they're flooding just to drain the water <laughs> out of the lock and uh it's just this gentle sort of tapping and uh there's there's no speech it's just <laughs> for, for ages yep. and it's just what you know these characters so well and you just you immediately know why that's Hen and Min. Uh, yeah, they must live in that lodge. Well, yes, that's I, I love everything about that. That's a great point. If you if this was a sketch show, say, where there weren't regular characters, there was different characters every week. Would you would you have the patience as an audience member to listen to that? Just like you yeah. say that, but because you know these characters and you've invested in them, you know exactly what they're like. You're you're, you're there for the duration. You know that you, you settle and say, okay, there's going to be probably three or four minutes of Minnie and Henry sort of warbling <laughs> at each other. <laughs> Which I would happily listen to for hours. I guess that's why, it's, you know, some people don't give them a chance. You know, if you, out of the blue, played them that clear, like, what's that? There's just people making noises. But, yeah, once you're invested. Yeah, Henry uh, is talking about his burst pipe and <laughs> and I can't remember what Seagun says, some sort of saucy comment. But it's her friends, naughty netty, naughty, 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 needle, nuddle, new netty, <laughs> which would be really annoying if you didn't like the goons. Yes. And you can see, I think, why it 
you know divides people for me i could i love all that stuff yeah people people easily dismiss the goons as just being like oh needle noodle new and ning nang nong which isn't even part of the goons but you know these these silly words and they just sort of dismiss it as just being silly words silly voices and um silly sound effects and yes that's part of it but there's some (laughs) but there's characterization and there is some fantastic gags some of the you know some of the greatest episodes of the goon show you you don't stop laughing because you're inundated with gags and yeah stuff happening well i guess people at the time are coming from it from the same direction as lewis carroll and stuff like that you know it's mm. sur- it seems to be people around in that the 50s and the 40s i guess it was were quite happily to accept the surreal Stuff you, you couldn't imagine putting on Saturday night TV now, which is so generic and mm. flat and mm. just it's appealing to the whoever. You couldn't put something like as surreal and as cerebral as this. But people just seem to accept, yeah, I'm prepared to believe that this man's going to drink that lock. Meantime, back at the lake, it's going down fast. Good, when we long now. Meantime, back in the bathroom. It's up to the ceiling. Swim in, oh. swim. <laughs> Meantime, on the road to the lake. Back in the bathroom. Nanny, the water's going down. Back at the lake. Sapristi, the water's going up. On the road to the lake. The water's going backwards and forwards. <laughs> Meantime, in the middle of the lake. Help, help, help. Back in the bathroom. We must stop it rising. Back at the lake. We must stop it rising. Meantime, in the steam baths in Edgware Road. Oh, blimey. Um, We've got the we've got the setup where where yeah, um, Grip Pop and Moriarty are trying to drain the lock, and then there's this then there's yeah. this um, this kind of meanwhile back at the lake on the road to the lake meanwhile blah 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 blah, and yeah. it's like you say it's just Spike just thinking right I'll just I'll just write out as much as I can just to kind of. <laughs> draw the show to a conclusion it reminds me when people write stuff on a whiteboard in huge fonts and then they realize they've only got a bit left and the letters <laughs> get squeezed together yes that's perfect very much like that. but he has but he has kind of neatly tied it up at the end because oh yeah because one thing we forgot to mention of course is that the lad um has got <laughs> yeah. who's has employed eccles to be his dog yeah uh <laughs> He does an amazing dog. Yeah. Yeah. I love the bit that's obviously pre-recorded that Spike's recorded during the day of of Eccles um, jumping into the lock and then surfacing with some diamonds and chandeliers. It's a ragged idiot wearing a dog collar. Quick. Dive down and put out the fire. We don't want to be spotted. Too late. I've already been spotted. How? I had measles. <laughs> Silence, heavily oiled French joker. Observe yon dog-type man. What's he dived in for? You'll see when he surfaces. You think he's trapped on the bottom? No, he would have shouted for help. <laughs> Look, see what he's got round his hind leg. Sapristi, a platinum chandelier with a diamond-studded candelabra. Yakaboo. Pass the telescope. Now hold the jeweler's glass on the end. Sapristi, those diamonds are genuine. After him, money moolah. Oh, money, money, money. Oh, 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 stop Silence, me. Oh, 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 oh. silence, reeking garlic wreck. I would love to hear just a recording of that, because it goes on for a good couple of minutes. It does. Just in bow-wowing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but it turns out that the laird has <laughs> um, has uh, set Eccles the task of of salvaging for the last twenty years or eighteen years, I should say, salvaging <laughs> yeah. the treasures from the sunken galleon, and he's now managed to salvage everything, and it's worth twenty thousand pounds. And there's that lovely line where the laird says, "Do you know what that means to us both?" And Eccles says, "No." And the laird says, "It means that I'm a rich man, and you're a far better swimmer." And lovely little line, and, and then more or less that that's that's the end of the show. Apart from, as I said, I'm walking backwards for Christmas. But just one thing I wanted to mention on that, you know, the old um, Hancock, very nearly an armful story, mm. where so Goldman and Simpson, I don't know, was it Ray or Alan, whichever one, one of them typed and one of them sort of strode around the room, pipe in hand, extemporizing. I'm not sure which one did did what but they were working out this line for the famous hancock uh, blood donor scene where hancock is going to give blood and he's told that he has to give a pint and he says a pint that's very nearly an armful okay originally it was just going to be a pint that's an armful and then they said mm, doesn't quite get doesn't quite work okay a pint that's nearly an armful mm. and then they said no it's better if we just add very it's very nearly an armful perfect that's just got music to it you know yeah and the reason i'm saying that is that i'm just noticed on peter's copy of the script that the original script said it means that i'm a rich man and you're a better swimmer and then the cross it out and put a far better swimmer oh brilliant mm. yes which is better yeah. which is better so would it have been Peter making these amendments or Spike? Well, I'm assuming, no, I think what would have, it would have probably been Spike just sort of saying to them while they were re rehearsing and Peter would have just crossed yeah. it out and written it in, you know. Uh, I don't know how much input Peter had to tweaking the scripts as they went along, you know. I don't know how much, you know, he he. Well, there he must have been lots of ad-libbing, surely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But a lot of the ad-libbing was actually scripted. It sounded like it was ad-lib, but it wasn't, you know. <laughs> well, there's the bit where Blue Bottle, we haven't mentioned Blue Bottle. Oh, no. It's bursting out of the pipe. There's something clogging up the pipe in his Blue Bottle. Because he, he does that thing, I go through life with a smile and a songe. <laughs> with a smile and a songe. So would that have been written song? Or would he have changed it to songe? Also, by the way, that reminds me, I think Python used that for the dog license. Oh, with sketch. Mr. Praline. The Ministry of Owsinge. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's a yes. I never thought of that connection. The cat detective van, the Ministry of Housinge. Housinge. <laughs> spelt that way on the van. I'm very observant. Um, no, I think I think yeah. With with Blue Bottle, Peter would would yeah. He would kind of improvise a bit and add little bits like that. I, you know, very sort of about. I, do you know? I was swimming in the lake with my first class swimmer's badge. See, it's things like that. Just not. I was swimming in the lake, but with my first class swimming yeah. and it gets pinned to my water. Pinned wing. to my water wings. It's a description. <laughs> when suddenly, Bluji. No one plays with words like Spike Milligan. No. It, I could. I could read him from day to dusk. Yes, and um, and then we get we get a very perfunctory blood knock appearance because blood knocks, blood knocks <laughs> asks Blue Bottle to tell Neddy that he wants Neddy to build him a boat because he's drowning in the lake. Um, yeah. 
you'll get a tiny bit of blood knock and then as i say that's know. another thing i love uh, just the noise of blood knock the warble mm. that someone must do a song where they just sample all these gargles and warbles and just do like this goon, oh, i'm sure it's goon smash up. I'm sure somebody has done that somewhere oh, I hope uh... so. if not i'm going to <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a difficult thing to do it's a, it's a really difficult voice to well both of them blue blood blue bottle and blood knock are very difficult voices to pull off um yes, spike yeah. spike has tried many people have tried um <laughs> i interviewed jeffrey holland the actor jeffrey holland recently oh, wow. uh, in fact it'll be out before the show goes out and oh, he played he he was playing um, most of the peter roles when they did the goon again 50th anniversary mm. show in 2001 that dirk mags wow. produced and he freely admitted he said look you know i couldn't really my blue bottle was not particularly close it was an approximation um his, yeah. his blood knock was better for sure but very very difficult for anyone to 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 pull off as i said on that show i think the closest uh, impression of blue bottle that i've heard is by um heir to the throne um oh yeah yeah <laughs> which i can't i, I can't deny it to watch. i can't deny it but it's a, it's a good it's a good impression um yeah it's it, again it's peter's ability to just take things so far obviously you've seen what's the name of the scoutmaster that he was based on I can't remember. uh braxton haywood right because you hear him speak i think there's an interview mm. on youtube or somewhere mm -hmm. and he's he's almost there you can see exactly what peter extracted from that He's got fat of fat, you know, he's, he's kind of used bits of it, but then just sent it into the stratosphere. Yeah. And he does that with all his impressions. And what impresses me most is when he's got, he's playing two characters in one scene. Yeah. It, it, he was a genius. He was a complete nightmare by all accounts. But uh, yeah. In, uh, talking to Peter, did you see that Bob Monkhouse documentary a while ago? Um, his final show where he performed in front of all the comedians. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because he's very scathing about Peter and his mother. Yeah. There's no love lost there. I, I had no idea. No, well, Peter and Bob Monkhouse knew each other in the 40s. And uh, so, obviously, as you know, Monkhouse was one for an early adopter, wasn't he? He was, uh, he, was he would buy up his, you know, um, recording equipment and yeah. he would record his shows and his radio appearances in the 40s on this disc cutting machine. And Peter persuaded him to sell it to him and then tried to get his money back because he said it didn't work or something and peter's mum got involved and it got a bit nasty or yeah yeah odd it was surreal it's because uh, bob was it's the whole thing if you I, I don't know if it's still online but yeah the, the first half is full of like modern comedians at the time yeah i think they've got league of gentlemen are in there and whoever was around at the time First half's just a performance, and then the second half's it's sort of right. He, I think, obviously, he knew he was dying, mm. and he just wanted to get stuff off his chest. Mm -hmm. But he's—I've never seen anything like it when he's talking about Peter's mum. It was mm. a witch, isn't it, or something? Or yeah, she, she was. A, she was a. Wow. She was a. Oh, I mean, Peter got his temperament and his uh, mood swings from her. I think for sure. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway. Let's not dwell on that. <laughs> Sorry to bring it up. <laughs> um, I just want to say as well, so so the day that they recorded this episode, which was the Sunday, so it went out on the Tuesday, the, what was it, the 20th, 28th of February. So on the Sunday, the 26th, that they recorded Treasure in the Lake, they also recorded 
a five and a half minute insert for a forthcoming radio show. Okay. Hmm. And it was a radio show that was going to be on the light program and it was celebrating St. David's day. And it was, it was, it was to be broadcast on March the 2nd. Okay. And so they, they, the goons recorded this little five minute segment for it. And um, originally it was going to be called, in a, in a, which has a very uh, stuffy home service ring to it. It was going to be called The Goons Comment on Wales, right? Um, but in the end, they called it The Goons Hit Wales, which is what you think's a lot better. Um, and it's, it, was, it's quite, it does exist. And it's, yeah, it's, there's no Max, Ray, or um, Wallace Greenstade's not in it. And um, it's, just, um, it's just a nice little five-minute sort of skit, if you like. Um, which is just yeah. talking about Wales and Harry is obviously leading it, if you like. And then um, you've got, uh, who's you got? Moriarty and Blue Bottle uh, and Eccles. 10,000 years ago, the great ice age lay upon Wales. Then there came the first Welshman. Yes, singing from the very start. <laughs> Down through the centuries he has sung. Till today, we hear the beautiful voice of modern Wales. <laughs> so, yeah, so they would, have, they would have knocked that off after recording Treasure in the Lake. They would have said to the audience, right, stay in your seats. We want to just record this little bit. Um but no, overall, it's a, it's a, it's it's one of the best loved, best remembered goon shows, and I think it's because of that. Yeah, you know, as as we say, they don't have they don't have great plots necessarily in any of the goon shows. But when they have a particular uh, a scene or a plot that you can kind of hang your coat off, in this instance, mm-hmm. sea goon drinking the lake, people seem to remember them, don't they? And and uh, and also the fact it was yeah. obviously rec- released on a on a commercial LP, but um, but it is a much loved episode. Oh yeah, it's definitely my favourite. I, I think everybody's picked all the other ones that I like, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to go and listen to it now. I'm gonna go to listen to it, and I might even listen to Ray Ellington. I do. I really need to. I did try. I really did try um, with Max Geldray and Ray. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, one day I'll get it. Well, I know that John Lennon would listen to, at least up until 1956, at least up to the year that this show goes out. I know that mm. by all accounts, Lennon was listening to The Goon Show fairly regularly. And mm. so, and he'd be listening to the, you know, because Ellington was doing covers of um, things like Shake, Rattle and Roll, things like that, you know. Mm. And... You, 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 you think, okay, John was probably listening to these and probably listened to Ellington and maybe, maybe somewhere, somehow was getting influenced in some small respect by Ray Ellington's performance. You well, know? yeah. Yeah, every possibility. Didn't he wrote the forward, didn't he, for the Goon Show scripts? Yes, he did. Or wrote a re- review. Yeah, for the New York Review of Books in 73. You can hear it. You can see it in all of his books. It's just straight out of there. Mm-hmm. Like the beginning of this one again. It's well, I screen said, was it ladies and gentlemen? Lamange. Yes, that is in his own right. Yeah, Spaniard in yes. the works, and that also the Daily Howl. He was, yes, he was, he was basically using it from there. It, it, it's the same thing, you know. Everybody in the nineties or 
sort of saying you wouldn't let it lie. He was basically quoting the goons mm. like that, mm. and it became part of his parlance. So yep. yeah, we have a lot to thank them for. Yes, I think if you hooray for the goons, hooray for the goons, it, the, 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 like it, the, their influence is running through British comedy like a stick of Blackpool rock. Perfect. Uh, so, Chris, um, you've, you've podcast I'm the Egg Pod. It's been on a bit of a hiatus, I guess, recently. When, when's it due back? Uh, as soon as I've recorded the next episode. I've recorded one that's I'm going to have to do as a Patreon only. I think I can say it's um, with John Higgs, who's just written a book, Love and Let Die. But the, the podcast is actually appearing on the end of his audio book. Oh, um, right. Okay. Which should be interesting so yeah we popped down to see him a few weeks ago in brighton uh -huh. but it'll also be on the patreon account yeah the reason there's a hiatus is because all of those ones i did in january mm. i did more in january than i did all in all of last year and i've just been exhausted and obviously my day job i needed to attend to yep so yeah so there'll be plenty coming but uh bear with me please excellent excellent <laughs> well yeah i mean i've been doing this one a week every week for over a year now um mm. and i'm thinking maybe when i get to about episode 100 which will be probably march next year god willing if i'm still you know i've i've done it wrong i didn't realize until other podcasts are doing calling it season one and season two so you just record six and then have a couple of months off and then announced season two. So Soda Jerker have made the same mistake. They're still on season one, and they're on about five hundred episodes. I'm already. I'm still on so, season one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that's the way. To, few people have advised that, but only after people started using that very good technique. Which sadly, it's too late now. So people people are very good actually who listen to this because they are kind of patient. They are aware that they're not like a weekly thing. I did try and do it through lockdown, but. Mm. It's it's just takes so long to do, but I'm hoping I'd rather spend the time and hopefully make them good than just totally keep pumping them. Totally, out. absolutely, because that because that would come across if if it's just if it's just like a assembly line that then then people people can hear that, can't they? Um, well, Chris, thank you very much for for speaking to me today about about this and about um, the goons in general, and it's been a pleasure to have you here and. Uh, I look forward to hearing the fruits of your future uh, EggPod episodes and come back and see us sometime. Thanks very much, Tyler. Really enjoyed it. Thanks again to Chris. Thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Well, I won't see you, but you will hear me next week. Until then, take it easy. Bye. <laughs>